Aaron, Polly, and Wayne. I'm Aaron. This is Paul. And this is Wayne. So I had a dream last night, guys. And I am in this series of meetings. I, I, and I don't know what the meetings are about, but it all seems to be about, and, I, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this up in air quotes. And, you know, Paul, in, in production, if you'd put some serious music behind this, right? Serious shit. That's what these these meetings were critically important. I don't I don't think they were about work. I think they were about life stuff, but they were seriously important. And I notice as this meeting is going on, just you know, and there's all these people in the room, and we're all arguing about things and talking about stuff. I notice in the far corner of the room is Darth Vader, <laughs> and nobody seems to otherwise have acknowledged him, noticed him. And, you know, we, we leave the meeting and we go to another meeting. And, and so it's like this, this, you know, ongoing journey in this building of going from one conference room to another to take the decisions that are made in the previous meeting, carry them over to the next meeting, and then adjust it and make more decisions. And so it's just kind of, it's cumulative, right? And again, I have no idea what it was about, but it was serious shit, Paul. Well, eventually, you know, and, and, and Vader is following us from room to room. And finally, I, I asked this one guy, I'm like, what's up with Darth Vader? And he says, storytelling tool, just ignore it. <laughs> and then I woke up. <laughs> I, I feel like we need a dream interpreter. I have nothing. I have, well, I, 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 I've got nothing. <laughs> I, I made feel my... like Aaron was in one of the comic books I read this week. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, um... I don't know what that means, but I feel like I need to go ahead and subscribe to Disney Plus, which I did this morning. Yes. <laughs> Aaron can now watch Mando. I, I felt like that's what the decisions were all around. Uh, <laughs> and so, uh, you know, it was, it was just one meeting after another talking about how we approach Disney Plus. See, I ordered the, the new Google Chromecast this week, which comes with the remote control. Oh, that's nice. always been my... My issue with the Chromecast mm -hmm. was uh, the the remote interface from either my phone or my iPad, uh, but this is actually you know a, a a Google remote control with the Google Chromecast. So, uh, I anyway they launched the new device this week, so I bought it. It will be here by the fifteenth. Pretty excited about that. But I went ahead and subscribed to Disney Plus today. All right, nice. I'm excited, Aaron. And when yeah. you f get your when you find your way through Mando season one, we can have a Mando conversation. Very exciting. Before we uh, before season two, maybe maybe depends depends on when how much season two I am so excited for season two. When does it start? October thirtieth. You have twenty seven no, days. That's great. They're only they're great. only like 30, 35 minute episodes anyway. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'm I'm gonna start watching today. Do it. So there you go. Um, I I I <laughs> so. I only bring this up because Wayne is my special dog buddy, mm -hmm. but uh, I had a couple of instances this week with the dogs earlier in the week, and I, Paul, I think I shared this with you, that the neighbor's dog came crashing through my fence and attacked my uh, terrier, Walter. Wow. And, uh, uh, Walter, you know, Walter didn't have an ince of back down on him. Uh, he, uh, you know, he, he will, he will fight the biggest Rottweiler, you know, and go toe to toe. Uh, he fought, he gave it his all. However, this dog had about 30 pounds on him and, uh, he came out, you know, quite the worse for wear. 
uh, all, all bloody on his neck and whatnot. Nothing deep, but, you know, he had been uh, manhandled pretty hard. Um, so we cleaned him up. He didn't seem to have anything, you know, huge wrong. But, you know, uh, the following day he had a lot of swelling in his neck. And I was worried that, you know, it could be, you know, affecting like his windpipe. He was drinking and eating just fine. Uh, but you could tell he was really sore. So we took him to the vet. He was fine. Uh, they gave us antibiotics and otherwise, you know, he's he's doing fine and he's on the mend. But yesterday, uh, the wife lets the dogs out in the afternoon and immediately they they just go tearing out across the yard. And we had this sort of bizarre shaped yard. You can't see all of my yard from my back from my back door uh, after about 30. I'm sorry, you know, 40 feet out. It makes a hard uh, right. And so there's this whole back corner of the yard that you can't see from the back porch and all the dogs go running there and just, you know, uh, just, you know, having a fit. Well, the wife walks out there and there is a man in our backyard who is, had been digging a hole and my dogs, all four of them had him pressed against the back fence and just, you know, the baying hounds. It's like we set the hounds on him. <laughs> And Suzanne's like, what the hell are you doing in my backyard? And he's like, oh, yeah, I'm with Encore, you know, the local utility provider. Uh, I'm with Encore, and, you know, we're, we've got a work order. But they didn't ask to be in the backyard. Our backyard is locked because we have a pool, and we don't want dead kids in our pool. It's a thing I've got. Uh, <laughs> and so he climbed the fence to get into the pool. Now, I'd like to point out, I was home the entire time. Uh had my office door open while I was working. Nobody knocked. Nobody rang the doorbell. He just hopped the fence. And so Suzanne comes in and tells me about this. And I pick up the phone and called the police. Uh, and so the police came out and escorted him from the property. Nice. <laughs> but, you know, I, I mean, I, hey, I, here's I should... the thing. Like, it, it sounds like it's legit, but, it, you know, it could. Well, it, he could have I mean, broken into your backyard. <laughs> Even if but, even if it is legit, you he hopped a fence. No, yeah. you don't. I do got that. a real I got a real problem with, with him hopping my fence. Um, because and here's the thing, um, if he injures himself on my property, that's my liability insurance. What happens if one of my dogs bites him? You know, because dogs were being dogs. My dogs did exactly what they were supposed to do. Yeah. Um. And I'm really concerned about that. And the guy wasn't wearing a uniform. He didn't have an Encore shirt on. I'm sure that he was probably, you know, a vendor for Encore. But uh, he, he, the, he, the guy told the police, well, I've got this work order. He says, buddy, it doesn't matter. And you're lucky you didn't get shot. <laughs> it is Texas. It is Texas. It, it is Texas. And, you know, my <laughs> shotgun is right in the other room. <laughs> Just, Yeah. Anyway, I thought Wayne would appreciate that story because, uh, you know, dogs. <laughs> but, yeah, you know, as gimped up, as, as, gimped up a, as Walter was, he, he went after the guy like he was made of ham. <laughs> yeah, I have a completely different fence issue in that uh, my littlest one has been able to dig his way through the fence because he wants to go next door and play with the dog over there. So I wasn't home and I get a uh, call from my neighbor and she's like, hey, we've got Buzz over here in the backyard. He he got himself under my fence. And there's my fence is a big wooden privacy fence. Right. Same. The neighbors still have a, a chain link fence. So he got between my fence and their fence because he could get he could get under mine, but couldn't get under theirs. So he got to play with the uh, the neighbor's dog, Padme, like all day. 
and I go out, I get, I go to Home Depot, I get some more of those stones that I can put under the fence. Right. But it's not summer and spring anymore. So they don't have quite the collection of stones to choose from. And it wasn't as heavy. So he's like the next day he's able to get that stone that I put in, (laughs) pull it out. He goes out the fence, goes over to the neighbor's house, sits on their porch and whines because he wants to go play with Padme. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's he's there to see his friend. I'm still stuck on the fact that your neighbor's dog is named Padme. Well, oh, yeah, she's his a girlfriend. <laughs> it's she's Buzz's a huge girlfriend. Star Wars, I say she's a huge Star Wars fan. She has uh, May the Fourth Be With You parties, and I run into her at conventions where she's uh, helping out a friend at one of the toy booths that are all Star Wars toys. All right, all right. Mm. Padme, Padme, and Buzz. Buzz after it's Aldrin or Lightyear? Aldrin. Okay. Great names. <laughs> yeah. I don't have a dog story, so I, I apologize. I, I, I will come better prepared next time. My dog my dog slept a lot this week. <laughs> <laughs> She's tired. She was cute. But that's that's a, that's that's my story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you need to send pictures instead then. If a dog yeah, is Paul. cute, you send pictures. If the dog's funny, you tell a story. Oh uh, okay. All right, all right. I, well now I know the rules. I didn't know there were rules. There are our rules, Paul. I'll, <laughs> send, I'll send you the manual. <laughs> Thank you. It's one page. There are rules. <laughs> Obey them. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, I, I mean, I feel like we're done. We, we had our dog stories. We don't really need you to talk about Connor story. Darth yeah. Vader. Aaron signed up for Disney Plus. <laughs> I mean, this is a banner day. I feel like I'm about to ruin it with the news I'm about to share. Uh oh, Paul's Paul. Here we come to the part of the podcast where Paul ruins things. <laughs> As if it doesn't just start that way. Um, <laughs> it, it was announced that you know they they are going into pre production on the new Spider Man movie. Uh, it doesn't have a name yet, but we we all knew it was coming. Um, and it has been announced that in talks to play the role of Electro in the upcoming Spider Man movie is uh, Jamie Fox. Yeah, I thought it was more than talks. I thought they had confirmed it. Oh, but... maybe. Yeah, well, I guess it, maybe it has been confirmed that Jamie Foxx will be playing Electro in the yeah, upcoming Spider-Man movie. Yeah, I feel like I'd heard this before. Because he played Electro in that shitty Amazing Spider-Man movie. Ah, okay, thank you. Yeah. I knew I, I was like, <laughs> what am I, am I daydreaming? <laughs> no, he, that, that second Amazing Spider-Man movie, that was genuinely terrible. Uh-huh. And, and you know, he played Electro and was really bad at it. Uh-huh. I guess he, See, he wanted a second chance. I don't yeah. think I recall him being really bad at it. Oh, he was bad. Same here. There oh. were problem. There were problems with the movie, but I didn't find his acting to be any of the problems I had with the movie. Oof, and we're talking so about the the Amazing Spider-Man film series with uh, what's his Andrew name? Garfield. Yeah, Andrew yeah, Garfield. Yeah, I liked those movies. Uh, he I was, liked the Garfield. Electra was so bad, so bad. I don't recall that. I, I I recall not liking the writing on Electro, but I don't recall that I dislike Jamie Foxx in it. See, I, yeah, I the, do. He, he reminded me too much of Jim Carrey's Riddler in uh, Batman Forever. I, they, mm. they felt very similar to me. Now, I think with good writing, he can nail the role. I have no problem with him giving getting another shot at it. Well, I guess I didn't ruin your day then. You you guys That's... seem you, you guys seem okay with this news. I'm okay yeah, with it. Plus, I am. plus, I don't connect my uh, my enjoyment of hanging out with you guys based on Amazing Spider-Man. I do. That's just not that's just not how I roll, Paul. Oh, 
Mine is what entirely I do contingent, base, contingent What I do base my enjoyment of you guys on is Strange Academy number three. <laughs> well, well, Wayne didn't read it, so we know how that goes. Yeah, well, Wayne, you're off the podcast. <laughs> well, he doesn't like Umberto Ramos. Um, but Strange Academy number three came out. And, you know, I, I know the first issue came out right before, uh, you know, the things went into lockdown. So I, I struggle to understand what the schedule for this book is. I feel like yeah. issue two was a long time ago. It and, was a very long time ago. But was it? I mean, issue, I don't know. It just feels like they, they're released intermittently. Yeah, it feels like a long time ago. It feels like they were ready to come out and just, you know, pepper us with Strange Academy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, the, the lockdown threw it off. But I, I, I was very happy to come back to the world of Strange Academy. Agreed. All right, so I'm looking at the release dates. Strange Academy issue one came out on March 4th. Strange mm-hmm. Academy issue two came out on July 8th. Okay, the Rona, I get it. Right. Then Strange Academy issue three just came out on September 30th. Yeah. So, th- like, that doesn't seem like a Rona-related delay, because <laughs> issue. Yeah, two I don't came know why. Down. I don't know why the distance between the uh, issues two and three. Yeah. But what? But the, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk about this book, and I, you know, I, I genuinely enjoyed the issue. I love the cover of Doyle Dormammu. I do too. I it's was going to say that that cover is awesome. It is. I love that cover. Um, you know, but one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the book, well, two reasons. One is. Um, the, the, this release schedule, the intermittent release schedule, for me reading this book, it kind of struck me that as much as I love this series, I feel like it would work better as a series of graphic novels. Um, you know, do the, do the Harry Potter thing with it. You know, re- release one, you know, release a graphic novel annually or, you know, two graphic novels a year kind of thing. Especially if they're going to come out like every two months. Uh because that's essentially, you know, oh yeah, two months. If, if it's a bi-monthly book, just release graphic novels. Because this read very, you know, th- I feel like that would benefit the structure of this book um, to, to be released that way. And maybe bring in some more y- young readers. Because it is very family-friendly of a book. Um, yeah, despite all the devil stuff. Despite all the devil stuff. <laughs> but, you know, what I liked about this issue is that finally we... we you know, finally, and it's only issue three. Um, but, you know, we get into issue three and there is something more sinister um, hinted at for Doyle Dormammu. And so, you know, while the first two issues were very much still establishing things, now I feel like we have a course heading in the story. And uh, I, I I think it's a great book. Uh, the, the art in this issue is gorgeous. Um, so, I mean, I, I have no complaints about this book other than the release schedule. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I did really enjoy uh, the book and the the artwork's amazing. I mean, like the the cover of Doyle Dormammu and the way the the flames just sort of boil out of him mm-hmm. on that cover. I mean, it's just and the the heavy darks in the back. I just I, I think the cover is really well crafted. It's already in my list for favorite covers this year. But then there's also this uh, full page spread that he gets later in the book. Uh, when he gets a vision of the future. Yeah. And, you know, which kind of gives you a sense of where the book is going. And boy, that was pretty cool. I it mean, was. lots of just great images there. Um, and, you know, the the <laughs> the voodoo palm reader, uh, she seems mean. <laughs> she, she does. <laughs> she seems mean. 
but I did. I really enjoyed this book, and I, and I enjoy how the class is coming together. Um, I enjoy how you know we're getting to see their different strengths, like the the one student who's able to uh, generate the third eye, whereas mm-hmm. nobody else in the class can. Um, I, I just I'm getting a kick out of this, and I, I just think the book is tremendous fun. And yeah, we've seen the bad guys appear because in issues one and two, we were really faced with there's a secret at the academy, right? Yeah, there's a secret at the academy that that the headmasters and the uh, the teachers all know about that they're not sharing with the students. And, you know, I've always kind of felt like it was that was leaning off of of uh, a story that that occurred in the earlier Doctor Strange series where, you know, the how was the magic debt paid? Because every time you employ magic, you incur a debt. And, you know, we found out that there was an entire cult led by uh, Wong in the, in the in the Doctor Strange books that were taking on that physical and psychic debt that the use of magic uh, incurs. And I feel like there's something there's something like that going on here. Um, but now we've we've so we've got that internal struggle there at the academy. You know, what's going on there? And now we've got these, uh, you know, pretty sinister-looking bad guys emerging from the shadows. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we've got an external threat as well. And I, and I think this is just really setting up um, an interesting story in this book. Now that we're in issue three, and it, it does seem a little strange that we're getting the, the the external pressure as late as issue three in this book. But that said, Paul. Yes, sir. Did you cook any of those recipes in the back of the book? <laughs> so they have Did the... you make some mindful one beignets <laughs> or some mindful ones gumbo or some mindful ones breakfast burrito? You know, it's funny because I was ex- and I was like, oh, they have a beignet recipe. Like that seems like fun. And then I started reading it, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> they're not real. <laughs> well, I think they they give you the substitutions. Paul. They do. So like you know. If you don't have uh, a Mahuric child's mug of little crystal sugar, you can use regular crystal sugar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you don't have uh, a uh, Compsignacus egg, you can use a chicken egg. So, you know, there, there, there are substitutions here. Yeah, but I don't have oil derived from... Well, I guess I do have oil derived from human edible plants. That's vegetable oil. You have to uh-huh. decipher them, is uh-huh. my point. Um prepare a bath of oil at 188 degrees ldc it will just tickle your arm or scald a human badly (laughs) (laughs) that seems a dangerous direction yeah (laughs) it'll just tickle your arm alternatively you may obtain nimbus clouds from earth 32518 and cut to size they are identical so yeah it's a lot of fun i I, you know i started reading their the, the recipes i'm like oh okay yeah well I, I, I do I'll, enjoy that. Enjoy it. I do enjoy that in the gumbo recipe, mm-hmm. uh, it asks to use four cups of harpy stock, and uh, you know I'd like to point out that harpies are sentient creatures. <laughs> 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 you know, they are self-aware, so uh, just you know, I think that's concerning. <laughs> what they are serving at Strange Academy, little concerning. Yeah, mindful ones breakfast burrito. Uh huh. But yeah, you know, this the, the, it's this book is just fun, um, just a joy to read, and the art. I know you know Wayne is not a fan of Umberto Ramos, but the art serves it well. And I'm actually going to talk about a book later on where the art didn't serve the book well. Um, so I feel like they're firing on all cylinders with this one. And uh, well, 
Go ahead. And I'll I'll just add that it seems like Scotty Young, you know, the writer on the book, and Umberto Ramos Jr., uh, the artist on the book, are having a blast. Yeah. That's what I what I really pick up in this book is that both writer and artist are having the time of their lives. And that comes through and it makes the book a joyous read. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about another Marvel book here in a second. Uh, and both of them had a uh, tribute by Brian Stelfreeze and Ta-Nehisi Coates to uh, Chadwick Boseman. And I don't know if either of you guys read it, but I, I found it, I did. it very touching. I thought it was really well written. I didn't realize they were close. Um, you know, Ta-Nehisi Coates, who has, you know, written uh, Marvel books. And, uh, you know, I just I, I, I thought that was just a, a really nice tribute. I thought that the dedication in the book and the artwork in the book uh, was really nice. You know, I, I like when they do that, when they do, you know, a memoriam page uh, in in the contents of, of our of our comic books. What I did not care for was the black bar across the cover of the book. Uh, you know, say rest in power, Chadwick Boseman, 1976 to 2020. Um, and the reason why I dislike that is it changes the look of the cover. And it makes it look like trade dress. It makes it look like, oh, this is a special series of books we're reading. You know, like you're like you're reading, you know, uh, uh, like you know War of the Realms or yeah. something like that. And, you know, I, I found that really uh, confusing, particularly when you, I, three of the Marvel books I bought this week had that same trade dress. And then on Fantastic Four, you had something completely different with a special bonus story, including Nexus War Thor. Hmm. But a, a similar sort, you know, a similar sort of black bar trade dress across uh. the top of it. I found that I found it confusing and I found it annoying. I don't think they need the the bar across the top of the book because I don't think anybody's buying the book because there's a Chadwick Boseman uh, obituary in it. I think, you know, I think you open the book and there it is and you read it. Um, I, that's, that's what my objection was, but I, I thought, I thought that the, the obituary and the remembrance and the artwork was gorgeous. Yeah. And it's in the fantastic four book yeah. without the banner. Uh huh. So that, that's what I, I just disliked that a lot. Yeah. So enough said. Enough said. Well, you know, we, we picked up and we, I think we talked about it last week. Shang-Chi number one from Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi from Jean Yang, Dyke Ruan, Philip Tan, and Sebastian Chang. Um, you know, beautiful, beautiful cover uh, by, I think that's Olivier Copiel um, cover. And, you know, we, we we talked about that. Shang-Chi is kind of a tough nut to crack when it comes to storytelling. And, mm -hmm. and he has had more bad stories than good. Uh, Jim Chung, sorry, Jim Chung did the cover, not Olivier Copiel. Um, and so, you know, Cautiously optimistic, stepped into the newest volume of, of Shang Chi, and Wayne picked it up with us. Wayne, I feel like yeah. I feel like we're going to talk about nothing but obligation books for you this week. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. So, why don't you kick us it's off like, on Shang Chi? So, my first issue with this is that it's ten pages before we see Shang Chi. There is like one uh, quick picture of him, but that's not really him in the story. So. I've never read a Shang-Chi book before. I've read books with Shang-Chi in them in the background, but never one that's his book. So we get this big story going on in uh, 
in China. We get all this buildup before we actually see the main character of the book. And I was completely and totally lost on all of that until we see him. When we see him, he's working in Chinatown at a bakery. And I absolutely love everything that happens in that bakery. His interaction with uh, the customers, with the owner, with the owner's daughter. And that's the part of the book that I really loved. I like to see him in you know, the modern society, modern world. We get a few twists and all with uh, his past kind of coming back. But I'm really torn on what I think of this book overall because I both was confused and then I really loved what I read. And now they're going back with the confusing part being the the main storyline. So I think I'm on for issue two because I really am enjoying like the day-to-day life of Shang-Chi and seeing him do his superpower thing, you know, outside in the regular world. But this was not new reader friendly at all. So I will be honest. I I was very much looking forward to this book. Um, and I I enjoyed it. I it was it did not blow the doors off for me like I had hoped, uh, but it kept me into it enough that I'm coming back for issue two. Uh, let me say let me say some things positive. Uh, I think the artwork is gorgeous on this book. I, I like the cover. I like the interiors. Um, it is hard. It is hard coming into a book that uh, about a character that you really enjoy. And as Wayne said, the character is hidden from from you for almost half of the book. Um, I think that's a mistake. Um, I understand that, you know, what happens uh, in the first pages of the book, giving you some some backstory and history uh, about, you know, uh, the the different houses uh, in China. Um, I I understand that's important. I, I feel like that could have been buried elsewhere in the book and kept our character up front. Um, yeah. What it does I, do, I, say, is Aaron, it, I think what they could have done really well is if they would have started with that scene with him in the bakery, uh-huh. then done the the stuff that's in the beginning. I, yeah, I think you're right. And I, then I think back. just moving some stuff around would have really benefited the book. I also think that there might have been some benefit of making this an extra long book. Um, you know, Marvel doesn't usually shy away from from making the book a dollar more expensive and adding seven more pages. I think this book would have benefited from that because I, like you said, Wayne, I really enjoyed that slice of life piece with Shang-Chi. You know, one of the the great things about Shang-Chi is, yeah, he is a tremendously power, powerful warrior. You know, he is a, a master of martial arts, but he's also just a nice guy. And it would have been nice to see more of that and more interaction with him in Chinatown. Um, but that said, I, I very much enjoyed getting to learn about these different factions in the you know, martial art community uh, there in China and understanding, you know, that there has been a, a mystical selection because, you know, one of the things that happens in the book is uh, the current head of the order has been killed. And so a mystical selection is made and, you know, telling which house is going to lead and it selects Shang-Chi, you know, house of the fist or whatever it's called. And, you know, the, the person that's house hammer uh, you know, decides that that's not the case and kills the, you know, kills the guy who witnessed it 
and says, you know, we're, we're, we're the thing. And so that's where the conflict comes in. Later on in the book, you find out that the, the, the person who did that is actually Shang-Chi's half-sister. And, uh, you know, they're going to get to go you know, toe to toe. I think there's a great conflict built up here. I think where the where the book slows down really hard for me is when we get into the spy connection uh, there and, uh, you know, Shang-Chi's current lifetime, their current uh, timeline. Um, but it didn't it didn't ruin the book for me, but it did. I, I think I was going big guns. By the time we got through uh, his slice of life story there in Chinatown, and when it when it skidded into his connections to you know espionage, I was like, eh, eh, I don't I don't know that this is this is really firing for me. So that's where my pain point was. But Paul, we haven't heard from you. Talk to us about Shang Chi. You know, I found the book mediocre. Um, it, like we we've. we've like I started this conversation that we were all well Aaron and I were both rather excited for this book just because Shang-Chi is a character that I I really love Um, but Shang-Chi feels best to me when they're uh, like when Warren Ellis and um, you know the right artist take on Shang-Chi uh, like David Aha or someone like that. I, uh, ah! Ah! Or, you know, like when Matt Fraction wrote him in the Iron Fist book. I feel like that's when we really get some strong Shang-Chi. Um, and, and part of Shang-Chi, well, really the core concept of Shang-Chi is the martial arts. Uh, and if you're drawing a martial arts book, and I know, Aaron, you said the art was gorgeous, I feel like you should incorporate... A stronger sense of martial arts and great fight sequences in your book, if that's going to be um, a fo- you know, if, if your character is going to be focused on that. One of the things we're not going to talk about this week is Avengers thirty six, um, which had a really strongly drawn fight sequence between Moon Knight and Black Panther, mm-hmm. and I feel like that art style would be better for a Shang Chi book because there really wasn't. Yeah, you know, there were a couple of like close up fists punching faces in this book and that's about it right uh, for a martial arts book there really wasn't any sense of martial arts i liked some of the character bits like wayne mentioned where he's working in the shop and you know he meets the girl but you know there the, the book for me felt it wasn't what i wanted uh out of a shang chi book and i know you say you're on for both of you are kind of hesitant on the second issue i probably won't go for it um you know i may but pick it Paul, up on a sale shang chi gets them digits he does which you know she must have had that on her just in case she happened to run into somebody because uh you know at no point in that conversation did she break out a pen and write something down she just had it handy just in case she came in knowing that knowing that he worked there there was a plan from the beginning to give that superhero them digits (laughs) them digits maybe she just wants to get closer to captain america because he used to be a you know an avenger (laughs) <laughs> oh, she's going through Shang-Chi to get to yeah. the guy she really likes. Ouch. Oof. I mean, Ouch. that seems like a move. It's Shang-Chi yeah. after all. Well, you know, like I said, I, I felt like it was good enough to warrant issue two. So I that I, I am going to pick up issue two and, and hope that uh, that it, it is a stronger performer. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. So, you know, Paul and Wayne picked up a book this week from Image Comics that I looked at and put back. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, I like the concept of the book, the book being the Department of Truth. Uh, I did not much care for the artwork. 
And so, you know, looking at the, them preview pages on Comixology, I was like, Ooh, no, I am not gonna. So <laughs> I, uh, and Paul's like, yeah, I'm getting this. I'm gonna get this Department of Truth. I'm like, mm, good luck. You enjoy. And uh, Wayne, being a much better friend than I am, picked it up. And so uh, th- these two guys got into the Department of Truth. Yeah, because more accurately, Paul's like, hey, is anyone interested in this? And Aaron's like, no, I looked at the art. And then Paul's like, but I already bought it. (laughs) I didn't even look in the book. I just bought it. Well, because a lot of people were recommending it this week. Um, You know, a lot of fellow comic uh, writers were were recommending this book, which is written by James Tenyon IV. And I saw a lot of people talking about it. Uh, I was like, you know what? I mean, that seems interesting. I, I really don't know much about it, but... You know, it's got kind of this X-Files conspiracy vibe on the cover. I like James yeah. Tinian. Um, so yeah, I picked it up sight unseen. Things, yeah, yeah when I bought those things right in square in the middle of my jam. But the artwork looked a little too Bill Sienkiewicz for me when Bill Sienkiewicz is kind of drawn crazy stuff. Yeah. Yeah. When I first looked through the books, I looked at the preview art and I'm like, there's no way I'm touching this thing. But it sounds so interesting. And then I saw Paul's comment and how disappointed he was that Aaron didn't pick it up. So I was like, you know what? I can do this with Paul. And uh, I will say, Aaron had an accurate assessment as it comes to the art. I feel like the art on this book uh, by Martin Simmons is strongly Bill Sienkiewicz. Um, strong Bill Sienkiewicz vibes. And, you know, while there and- is an audience for that, it's not me. Well, I'll also say the preview pages leave out the first page or two of the book where the art is even worse. Yeah. Where it is literally a blur and I can't see anything. I can't even see what it's trying to show. It's just color splotch. Yeah. Um, Very abstract. But the story is fantastic. Um, At least, you know, from my opinion. I know it's hard to get past the art comics or a visual medium. Um... But I found the story really, really strong. Uh, and so the concept of this is that there is a guy who, he, he is a professor, and what he teaches is essentially conspiracy theories and, and stuff like that. So his job is to cruise the message boards um, and, and, you know, look up means and conspiracy theories and things like that. So he the, the, the most of the book is him being interviewed by, by basically like a cigarette-smoking man. And he talks about that that you know he un, he came across amongst the message boards, uh, the flat Earth Society, and that there was a flat Earth convention, and that in attending that, he was recruited or shown, um, like, the, the you know the moon landing with th- that the moon landing was faked, and he's like for a half a second I almost believed it, and they they take him, the, the these flat Earthers. Um, there are some some rich guys who who put him on a plane and they fly, and he legitimately sees the end of the the world, like the the like like the Earth is actually flat, and yeah, there's a a moment there where um you know they have this two page spread on it, and like I said with the art betraying the story, I didn't quite get that, <laughs> you know it's a it's a, it's this two page spread and I'm like, what am I supposed to be getting out of this book? Um, out of this spread but it, it does you know they, they do explain it but it's, they shouldn't have to but yeah what basically what you what you discover spoilers on is you know they talk about how um the this theory that if enough people believe something exists then we reality does warp to that perception and that's 
what they're seeing happening. And the Department of Truth is there to basically debunk and ensure that conspiracy theories stay conspiracy theories and not truth. And um, the, the, the last page, uh, which I won't ruin because it actually did surprise me, uh, it, just, it sets up for such a great story. But the art is, is a struggle for me. The art is a real struggle for me. Wayne, what do you think? Yeah. The alarm was going off. <laughs> um, so I agree with basically everything you've said, Paul. Uh, the art on this was horrible, and it severely hurt the story. I found as I was reading through, I just started ignoring the pictures, and I was only reading the word balloons mm -hmm. and the description. Um the main character is also works for the FBI as well. Yeah. Uh, but the story was really good. The concept is solid. The story is good. I kind of wish it was a novel instead of a comic book with this art. Yeah. Because uh, the story is really good and the, the concept is interesting. But the art just does not work. No, and, I feel like if the art was by like Jason Burroughs, who you know who does a lot of stuff for Avatar and did like the Neonomicon and and those types of books, I feel like that art would be better served in this book, not the Sinkevich arc. But again, you know when those X Files comics came out, they had a very similar art style. Like it's a it's a thing that people gravitate to in conspiracy comic books. Um, it's yeah. just not my thing. Yeah, it's really sad because this is a great story, and you're right that ending definitely is a it's a nice hook yeah like if but, that was the end of a t of the first episode of a tv show i would be hooked um, yeah I, and, and i was like whoa <laughs> what a great ending page but god damn i want the story presented differently <laughs> yeah okay i'm i'm not on for issue two nor the, am i not with not, even even with as good as the story is if i comics are a visual medium and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i can't pick up something where 50% where you know 50% of the reason i pick up the book is not good. Yeah, but the, I mean the story is so strong. I I really want this story in another format. I'm hoping maybe it gets popular and gets picked up for like a Netflix TV show or something. Yeah. Cuz that would be a great way to tell the story, but not the way it was presented. No. Well, I, I feel like you both validated my choice here. <laughs> yes, I feel, I feel you, you're, you're, you're good. Um, but, you know, I, I, it is the sad thing is it is very much your kind of comic. Oh, no. I, you know, I read the the, uh, you know, the promotion text on it. And was like, oh, This looks really good. But boy, it looks really bad. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Paul. Yes, sir. What's coming out next week? Well, next week we have the second issue of The Rise of Ultraman. And I don't recall, did we decide that we were going to pick up issue two? I'm, I am in for number two. All I'm right. down for it. Well, as am I. We also get the newest issue of Deceased Dead Planet, um, which I don't know that I ever read issue three. Maybe I did. Maybe I, did. I didn't. I don't recall. Um, so I guess I'll get caught up in time for next week. And the big new release next week is... Batman, issue 100, the conclusion of the Joker War. Very exciting. Very yep. exciting. I predict it is not going to stick the landing. No, I think that's well, an accurate assessment. In case you didn't catch it, we had an extra uh, podcast this week where we talked about uh, Three Jokers, issue number two. So if you missed that, go go check your feed and grab it. 
And we'd love to know what you thought of this week's books, including Joker, uh, Three Jokers. Give us a call at 972-763-5903. That number, once again, 972-763-5903. And if we use your voicemail on the show, you'll win a coveted, valuable Ideology of Madness surprise. You can also hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at IOMGeek. All right, guys. Well, you know, hopefully no more dog drama next week. And, uh, you know, but, but lots of great comics to talk about. We'll see you then. Podcast theme music graciously provided by Mark Andrew Pope. For more information, visit markandrewpope.com. Funny Books with Aaron and Polly is a production of ideologyofmadness.com. No Spider-Man clones were harmed in the production of this podcast. Thank you.